Praise God. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8. 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles, say 1 Chronicles, chapter 14, and verse 8, hallelujah. When the anointed go forth, when the anointed go forth, hmm. what do you think happens when the anointed go forth? Well, we want to talk about that. This is a year of victory, of complete victory. In 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8, it says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Anoint it today. Father, that it would just penetrate our hearts and our minds today, that we would glean from it the principles that you have for us. Father, anoint me as I bring this word, Father, that it be with clarity, Lord, that we can understand what you're saying to us, Father, and then we can do it, not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well, in Jesus' name. When we say, when the anointed go forth, we probably, first of all, need to kind of clarify what, what or who, who is the anointed, and how do you get anointed, and uh, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, you think, well, I'm just running, you know, walking around, and maybe... It's like a lightning bolt out of the sky will come down and hit me, and then I'll say, I'll turn around and say, wow, I was anointed. Or somebody will come up and say, wow, you were really anointed. And you go, really? Wow. And we won't know anything about it. Is that how it happens? No. We need to know that. You need to know that you're anointed and how you are anointed so that you can go forth in the times when the enemy comes against you. First of all, let's just uh, set a little bit of a, a background here to Anointed means to be set apart. It actually came from the shepherd's uh, terminology. They used to have the sheep, and there would be different types of insects and stuff that would get on the sheep, and they would crawl and sometimes even get into their ears and could embed and, and end up killing the sheep. And so what they would do is they'd pour oil all over them and uh, around their head area, and then the insects couldn't get, couldn't get up through there. And so it is a, a pouring on and different things, but it was to set apart. And so that became part then of their of their, um, their language, and uh, then God used it to, to uh, emphasize a very important principle. It means to set apart as holy for a sacred purpose or sacred service. It means, and if this can be a thing or a person, it's to set apart with authority. And any time that you are anointed, you rise to a new level. Amen? And that's exciting because something's changing. You're moving forward. We ought to always be moving forward in the anointing. And you say, well, pastor, you know, I'm not ordained and I didn't go to Bible school. Let me tell you, anointing doesn't come from education. It comes from impartation. Amen. 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 So uh, every one of us should be anointed, going forth, set apart as holy uh, for his sacred use, for his work to be done. It also means uh, blessing, protection, and empowerment. Uh, so anointed, there's blessing and protection and empowerment. There was, in the Old Testament, there was actually three anointings. So we'll just give you a little background here. Some of you like more details. Some of you say, well, you could care less, but let me just go, uh, share with you the three anointings in the Old Testament. The first was the leper's anointing in Leviticus chapter 14, verse 18, and it told specifically, told Moses what to do with the lepers, and it was for cleansing and healing, and today it's a type of salvation, you know, uh, coming out. Leprosy can be a symbol or a type of sin, and so they were anointed. They anointed the lepers, and they were healed. They were cleansed. Today, you know, when we come out of darkness into his glorious light, he anoints us. He sets us apart then to be his people, to be uh, cleansed, set, fr set free from, from sin. There's also then the priest's anointing in Exodus chapter 30, verse 30. And a priest has access. And this anointing really uh, was for interceding. The priest interceded for the people before God. And it's a type today of, of setting apart for ministry, for serving, for serving the people, for ministering to people, and, and also for access to God's throne, anointed for ministry. Today, as we laid hands on our men up here, again, we were setting them apart for their ministry, for this ministry to, to be done. They're anointed now. They're set apart. Sometimes we think... 
we get confused about uh, anointing because we just think that's when the pastor hollers real loud and jumps and shouts and dances about and whatever. Um, you know, that's just when the power of God hits you, you've got to do something, I guess, to let it out. So there's, but there's different levels and different degrees of anointing. That's why I want you to understand and not be confused by some type of demonstration, but you need to understand that there's an impartation. And so when you are saved, you are set apart for his purpose. You are set apart unto him. And uh, so provisionally, the way God sees you is that you are set apart. You're no longer a part of the world. You're no longer a part of this, uh, this kingdom. Now you have been transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. He set you apart with authority that he gained at the cross. Satan stole authority from Adam and Eve in the garden. That's what he wanted. That's what he needed. He robbed them of that. And, uh, but Jesus gained it back at the cross. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he says, I give you authority. And so that's what he's doing. When we become a part of the family of God, we're set apart for God to be his people and to be a light that dispels darkness. That light, in a sense, that's anointing that shines out of us. That's part of his character that shines out of us. The third type of anointing in the Old Testament was the kingly anointing. We see that in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12, uh, and also in 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8, where David was anointed king, and that's a, a king has authority to rule and reign. So, you know, there's a setting apart, like it's salvation, to be a part of the family of God. There's uh, then a, an anointing for service, to minister, to, to, to serve him. And uh, then there's anointing for to, to rule and to reign and to demonstrate authority. And that's what, a lot of times, that's what we think when we see a anointing that's what our picture of anointing is is when we're seeing the demonstration of authority power and authority being demonstrated and so we've kind of isolated and thought that's that's the only type of anointing well i wish i could be anointed well you can be anointed amen <laughs> david as an example was anointed three times first there in first samuel chapter 16 remember he was out watching the sheep david was kind of an outcast some people think that uh you know his family had rejected him his mother, uh, Jesse, his father, had said, you know, he was having some problems with this lineage of being a Moabite, and I sh kind of shared that last week. And uh, so um, he had separated himself from, from his wife and had no relationships with her. And, and so then he devised this plan a few years later that he was going to take her handmaiden and uh, then have a child by her, and maybe this would be this right lineage. And the, the handmaiden heard about that. She went and told David's mom and said, oh, we can't have this. Let's play that deal like uh, Leah and Rachel did. And so uh, David's mom went in, and uh, Jesse then had a relationship with her, and, um, and David was born. But nobody knew that David was Jesse's son, his literal son, and, and uh, they kind of pushed him aside. That's why that he was out there not just watching sheep you know if you're if you want to really watch over your son your your young son you don't put him out where the lions and the bears come to get the sheep you know i mean with joseph remember how uh, jacob or israel loved joseph and he didn't put he, he kept him home you know and he let him maybe go out to see his brothers and tell them something but he kept him home so david was rejected he was out there he was outcast from his family and also from the town and all those around he was part of the the tribe of Judah there around the Bethlehem area and they all kind of rejected him well but when Samuel came and anointed him he was then brought in and he was now recognized and uh, there in first Peter chapter 2 Peter says it like this in verse 9 but you are a chosen people David now is a chosen he's chosen a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not people, once David was not considered part of the family or of, the, of even you know, the, the, the tribe of Judah, but he says, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that's what happens to us at salvation. And so this is the first anointing, and then David was anointed a second time there as the king of Judah. He uh, ruled, and, and so the people recognize that now. He's adopted in to the, the tribe of Judah, and they put him as leader over the tribe of Judah. And uh, so he begins to, to rule and govern and, and to lead the people, and God works through him, and, and some, you know, he's being blessed, and God's moving through him. And so that's that anointing for ministering, ministering to people. 
uh, and also having fellowship and, as well as intercession before God. But then there's the third anointing, 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8, that we were reading as a text, where David was anointed king over all Israel. See, Israel, those tribes, all those tribes were separated from the tribe of Judah. There was a separation there. And so David was ruling over Judah, but there was uh, Isbosheth, which was uh, Saul's son, was king over Israel, the other tribes. But now when he's killed, they come and they get David and they say, we want you to be king over all Israel. Well, when that happened, wait a minute. The devil said, wait a minute. Okay, it was bad when you killed Goliath. Uh, and, and it was bad when you started leading the tribe of Judah, but wait a minute. Now then, you know, we better go stop this David because he's going to start advancing his kingdom and he's going to be encroaching on us and, and we can't have this. And so, uh-oh, now it's different. You know, the devil, he really doesn't like it when you get saved. Because, you know, especially some of you, because he, he, the devil really loses a big-time player, you know? <laughs> I've, I've kind of had this uh, little exercise that when things are really beginning to, to hit me and everything, I focus on the person, a person that's not saved, that's the worst person that there is, that's a champion in the kingdom of darkness, and I pray that they get saved. Because what happens in the devil has to go on the defense and try to keep them you know, in his kingdom. But I, you know, so then he kind of stops attacking me so much and has to get his attention back over there. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, let's get those prayer targets. Oh, yeah, he's going to get saved. And then just start praying like that. The devil, doesn't, he doesn't like it, but it doesn't mind so much as long as you don't, you know, yeah, don't get too excited about it. And then, you know, well, when you take and you, you begin to start coming to church, you begin to, you know, get that second anointing as you kind of set apart and, and you're fellowshipping with, with uh, one another and you're starting to take a position of serving and ministering uh, for the Lord, devil, he don't like that. And he, there were skirmishes and there were fights and stuff around and, you know, back and forth with the Philistines and, and they tried to make a, tre a, a treaty with David and some different things. But, you know, that's not so bad. But, boy, when, you like, when you're all in... And you learn how to rule and to reign, and you decide I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna advance the kingdom of God, and uh, greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world, and I'm not settling for any of this. And you begin to fight the enemy and and take back what he's stolen, and you begin to diminish his kingdom. Man, he calls all the troops in, and he's all in. You ever been there? I mean, know what I'm talking about, man. You know, you God begins to speak to you, and you say, Okay, Lord, I'll do that. And so, man, you're excited. You know, you've heard the word and, and you, you've heard the Lord speak to you. And so, man, you're all in. You get all excited. And then what's the next thing that happens? Bam! The enemy shows up with all his might. Isn't that what, what it says there? Yeah. Well, you, we're going to learn some things today about that, how we can go for, forward. But I want you to know this for sure. Where does the anointing come from? It comes from God. All right? It, it, uh, again, like I said, it doesn't come from education. It's, it's impartation. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, Now it is God who makes, us both, makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So it comes from God. And uh, how does it come? Well, it comes through a channel. Kind of like electricity flows through to these lights and stuff. It has to have a channel to flow through. And that's what we need to understand. And we need to understand what the channels are, how the, the anointing flows to us. First is through his word. And it's interesting that to really set your part, yourself apart, to receive this anointing from his word, you have to first act. You have to take that, that step. You know, his word says, if you draw nigh to me, God said, if you draw nigh to me, if you come close to me, I'll come close to you. So, you know, when you decide that you're going to read the Word or come to, come to church to hear the Word or whatever, you make that decision. You have to make that choice. You choose to set yourself apart to hear the Word. And when you do that, God honors that. And His Word is anointing. In fact, in, in Isaiah says, He'll not cause it to return void. It will accomplish what He intends for it to, to do. And uh, uh, so it, it comes through His Word. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25... Paul says he's given us kind of a parallel here. He says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy or set apart or consecrated, anointing also means to consecrate, 
he says uh, that he gave himself up to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. So that's a way that we are anointed or consecrated or set apart is through the word. The word begins to get into our heart and it sets, sets us apart. We begin to see how that that's when we walk in darkness, but God's word says, I need to do this. And so then we willfully choose to do what his word says. And as we do that, we are setting ourselves apart. We are consecrating ourselves unto the Lord to do his word. And when we do that, there's an anointing that comes with that. Are you following me? It, there's protection. There's blessing that comes from that. When you honor God's word, you know, his word honors you. Isn't that right? And, but now that does, doesn't mean that there's no battles. It doesn't mean that there's not any skirmishes. That doesn't mean that the devil doesn't come against you because anytime you are consecrating yourself and God's consecrating you and setting you apart, when he's anointing you, Satan doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. You say, okay, well then my strategy is I don't want to do nothing. So the devil doesn't mind. Oh, that's real good. How are you going to win? I feel like this is the Super Bowl today. You know, a wide receiver goes out there and he says, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm tired of being hit <laughs> and knocked around. I'll, I'll settle that. I just won't run forward. I'll just step back when, when they snap the ball and go like this so nobody bother me. Well, what's the use in playing the game, huh? Right? So uh, that doesn't work. So the anointing, first of all, comes through the Word of God. And it's uh, through the Word it releases us then to something that draws us, and we find ourselves to the next channel where anointing comes, and that's through prayer. And specifically praying in the Spirit. Begins to, the anointing begins to come. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? When you've, you know, maybe the Word has, has convicted you. He's uh, begun to draw your heart and consecrate you unto Him, and you get some convictions, and so it draws you to Him, and you begin to pray and intercede and, and talk to Him, and, and then you even pray in the Spirit because the Spirit knows what we ought to pray for and then you begin to sense something happening you begin to hear maybe vision or wisdom various things like that that's part of the anointing and so it begins to come through prayer um you know in peter he says but just as he who called you is holy be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because i am holy so he says be set apart be consecrated be anointed just as god is set apart he is holy he is anointed so we're told to do that it's not really something it shouldn't be an option but it is our choice because then we get blessed as we are obedient to it then god blesses us are you following me are you following this morning the apostle paul said in romans chapter 12 the first two verses he said i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god or he says i urge you brothers in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy or consecrated or set apart, you know, to be anointed, uh, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. We're not of the world. We are consecrated, set apart to God. Now, so we can be anointed with a purpose, with a mission. And he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your, your, your mind. Then, everybody say then. When you are set apart, when you are consecrated, when you set yourself apart, then you will be able or anointed to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So when that happens, as you are set apart and consecrated, then God responds, and through the anointing, you begin to understand what God's will is. Anybody get anything out of this this morning? We need to be anointed. We need to walk in the anointing of God every day. That's what we ought to choose to do. Because that's where God then, he releases his character, his splendor. It's his glory. Glory is abundance, authority, power, wealth, and, and his character being manifest. That's where God releases it through the anointing. We first of all have to be set apart as his child. And then in his word we begin to discover what he says and we begin to claim those things and we go before his throne coming boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need so that he releases that then and we go forth in that anointing then to do what he's calling us to do in hebrews chapter 4 talking about the the word and a channel how it comes and kind of working together it says the word of god is quick and powerful or living and alive sharper than any two-edged or double-edged sword it penetrates even to the dividing or consecrating 
of the soul and the spirit. Joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. The word comes and it sets us apart. It consecrates us. It divides our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotion from our spirit so that we then begin to be distinguished that we're going to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And when we're walking in the spirit, then we're hearing what the spirit says through the anointing that's flowing now from his word and from the, the Holy Spirit through as we commune and talk to the Lord and he tells us what we need to do. Amen. Amen. Is this helping anybody this morning? And he goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 4, for the word of God is living. So it's living and it's active. It's alive. It comes in to do something, to do a work. And so we need to let his work do that. So you need to choose to set yourself apart and say, I am setting myself apart today. I'm consecrating myself. Therefore, the anointing will be upon me today. I will go forth as the anointed one of God. Anointing is, is authority as well. Uh, and Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he says, I, get, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and, all, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He said, you know, wait, don't just rejoice because of that. Rejoice because you are set apart, you are anointed as my child. Your name's written in heaven and so I'm giving to you this authority, and it comes through the anointing. When you walk, you walk with authority. You walk as the anointed one of God. And when I step into a hospital, I say, in the name of Jesus, we're just taking this in under the jurisdiction of the Lord God Almighty. This hospital and every employee, every doctor, every instrument, every tool, every machine belongs to the kingdom of God now because we're here. And when the president shows up, they come in and say, okay, well, this is, now then, everybody else, back off. Now then, we're taking this, the president's here, and this is for him, this is what's happening. And so then you claim that for, for God, and he's working, he's using all, everybody is under his authority now, because you're there, you've advanced that, you're the anointed of God, and you go to take that into his kingdom. Amen? You think it makes a difference? I shared with you, our little five-month-old German shepherd got kicked, I guess, and, and broke his leg, the big femur in his leg, bad deal, and they took x-rays of it, five doctors there in that uh, veterinary uh, hospital said, you know, look, here's the options, amputation or surgery that takes plates and some pins in there, and it's a, it's a really involved surgery, about $3,500, $4,500, and we're going, whoa, <laughs> We have that. Well, so um, we were pretty down, you know. I mean, that kind of flattened, and so went home. And I, so I, I had those X-rays. I knew where that break was, and I just lay hands on Sasha's leg, and I'd pray for Sasha. That's her name. And I'd pray, and I'd say, you know, Bone, you come together, be healed in Jesus' name. Praying over, praying over. We're praying to what we're going to do for finances, this and that, whatever. And so, um, Doctor Julie Wickle. She had been off, and she came back. She said, I saw the x-rays and stuff, and she said, you know, we can, uh, we can do this surgery, and, you know, there's a lot of, it's not just guaranteed because the bone has to grow. It has, when it comes in, it has to start growing and, and form there, and it's not always a guarantee. Could have to amputate and all that. So she said, come the next day, the next morning. I said, okay. So prayed, prayed over Sasha again, prayed all night. Next morning, got ready to leave, prayed over Sasha, got there at the hospital, and so she was going all over all this again, you know, and how complex it was and all the stuff. And, and so I said, well, can we just pray together? She said, yes, absolutely. It's good to pray with your doctor. Did you know that? <laughs> and so I uh, prayed, you know, and, and I said, Lord, I believe that, you know, you can give Julie wisdom beyond her ability, beyond her education. In other words, I'm saying I'm praying for impartation, not education. You know, Lord, you do what you cannot do. You caused Sasha to respond, and Lord, we, we believe that you've already begun, begun a good work and that you just complete it now. And, and I was thinking, and, and none of this $3,500 stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. <clears throat> so she said, okay. And, and uh, she said, well, we'll call you. And Sasha needed to stay there all day and about till about 6 o'clock. Well, around noon, she called, and she says, huh? Yeah, it's the worst place there to, to break in a leg, that large bone. And so she calls, she says, hey, I got some good news. I love it when doctors say I got good news. And she said, got some good news. I said, praise God. And she says, 
man, she said, you know, we had the x-rays, we saw all this, and she said, I got in there, she said, and, and that bone has already started forming together. I said, well, think of that. <laughs> huh. It seems like that's all we prayed for, <laughs> you know? So it's already started forming together. And I said, okay, so what did you have to do? She said, well, she said, you know what? We're going to let it just do what it's on its own, just what it's doing. We put a stent on there, a cast on there, a soft cast, wrapped it up to keep it, in, you know, to immobilize it so it didn't get any other trauma, future trauma, and all that. And she says, and so she's, you know, she's looking good. It's going to have to be in this cast for about four to six weeks. And I said, okay. So I went and got Sasha. She was just happy to see me just dragging that cast around, you know. <laughs> and so, and praise God. It wasn't on that $3,500 stuff. That's a whole lot less when they just look and say and put it around, wrap that up and put the cast on it. God can do things like that. When we're anointed go forth, we go forth under the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to advance his kingdom. And we go beyond natural laws to supernatural laws. This, the supernatural uh, supersedes the natural. Are you getting what I'm saying here today? Hallelujah. And so it happens, and, and Jesus said, I've given you all authority is given to you. Tramp upon serpents and snakes and scorpions and, and all the power of the enemy. Anointing or authority always trumps power. The word power there is, you know, mighty uh, strength. And, and it's used for us. It's a mighty, miraculous working power. But there's the other word that's used, sometimes it's translated power, is authority. And authority always trumps power. Amen. You don't believe me? Jeff's a police officer. He walked out there. And at the Super Bowl, you know, there might be an 18-wheeler coming down there. He goes... See this badge? I got authority. The 18 wheeler's got to lock them up. Who's got more power in the natural realm? That 18 wheeler, but who's got authority? Yeah. It's like that one little lady over there in Alabama at that church, and it's a big deal to have an anniversary, and the governor of Alabama came. And so uh, he spoke, and, and they went uh, to have, they went to the fellowship hall to have dinner, had lunch that day. And so there he is, and he steps up there, and little old lady, she back there, she's getting chicken, and so she gets a, a little wing and puts on his plate. And so he stands there a minute, you know, smiling, and, and she kind of looks at him, and she said, well, you need to move on. And he goes, well, ma'am, he says, I, I don't think you know who I am. And, and she looked at him, and he says, I'm the governor of the great state of Alabama. And she says, I don't think you know who I am. I'm the lady in charge of chicken. Now move on. <laughs> she had authority, you know? She had authority. She was anointed for, for that job, and hey, that trumped the governor, you know? Move on, governor. You ain't getting that anymore. I'm in charge of this. Amen. But authority, anointing comes, it comes from faith. As we come into the Lord, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the word. So we, we consecrate ourselves. We got to take a step to go into the Word, to receive the Word. It ain't just going to slap you and say, okay, you know. I mean, he could. God used a donkey to speak. He can use you. I mean, he used jackass once. He can do him again, you know. But anyway, he, you know, it, you, need to get some, you need to get active, get involved in your anointing. Set yourself apart. And as you do, then the, wa the washing of the water of the Word will cleanse you. And then it begins to anoint you that you believe and that faith comes by hearing. That's a product of, of this anointing. And that faith comes by hearing, hearing from this message, this good message, the powerful message of what God's Word says. And so then we move forth in faith. Oh, man. Jesus said uh, when he came to the, the, the boy, he was thriving himself around the, and in the fire and different things. And, and the father said, Jesus, if you can do anything... You know, just, you know, even just a, a little chicken wing, you know, if you can do anything, you know, help him. And he says, if you can, you know, if you can, like, what are you talking about? And he says, everything is possible for him who believes. Do you believe, you know? Let that anointing come. Let it flow through with faith and expectation. And then what Isaiah said there in the 55th chapter, he says, and then my word, he says, it goes out from my mouth and it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's what God's saying. So it won't return void. It's going to accomplish what I desire for it to accomplish. And so here's the, here's the process, taking that scripture for it. The word, as I read it, say I read it. My mind receives it, say that. 
My soul meditates on it. My spirit receives it. And now then the Holy Spirit that's in me begins to use that. Amen? It won't return void. It begins to accomplish what he sent it to accomplish. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Do you believe that? If you believe it, then you walk out there and you face a giant. And you take him down because no weapon that's formed or fashioned against you shall prosper. It takes you from reading about it and the logos becomes a rhema. And that written word that comes into you, something changes it. The Holy Spirit changes it within you when he separates, when the word separates the soul and the spirit. And the spirit man gets riled up, gets fired up, gets anointed. And so then it becomes a rhema. And if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it has to go. Amen. Under the anointing, in my name you will cast out demons. In my name you'll lay hands on the sick. In my name, under the anointing. You know what's wrong with the church today? It's not anointed. You know, a lot of times we just come to have service, we don't come to have church. We come to do whatever, this and that, whatever, not to really say when we get up in the morning, when you step out of your bed on Sunday morning, I know some of you wrestle with the covers and get pinned by the sheets. They didn't make it today. Some of them didn't. But, you know, you get up and say, I'm setting myself apart today as a child of God, as a, uh, an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ to receive the word, to do the word, to act upon the word, to, to function under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I am the anointed of God. Amen. You need to begin to tell yourself that. You know, they have all this positive thinking stuff, which is better than negative thinking, but you know, they say, well, look in the mirror and say, you know, you are a winner, you are, you know, speak to yourself. Hey, you need to look at that mirror and say, I'm a child of God. I'm a winner, not a wiener. I'm a victor, not a victim. I'm going forth today to accomplish God's purpose. Oh, man, y'all ain't getting this today. He said in John 15, if you abide in me, or if you remain in me, and my words abide or remain in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be given. So that drives us into prayer, and then we pray, and we pray in the Spirit. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, he says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our infirmity or in our weakness. Here's our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. Because we don't know what the Lord wants to do through us that day. We don't know. And he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches... Our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes. He intercedes, it says, for the saints in, according, in accordance with God's will. Here comes this priestly anointing where we have access now. And now we have access to God and the Holy Spirit is praying through us in accordance with God's will. And then we pray with the understanding and God releases to us what he wants to do with, through vision or wisdom or whatever. And we begin to, then we go and we do it. This anointing, anointing brings vision in the spirit realm. It brings revelation truth. Um, it, it gives wisdom for life. I remember when I was deciding, you know, I was going to study the word and, and uh, you know, go to another level with God. And, and I'd read and I'm like, ah. Oh. And I, I got so aggravated because it just wouldn't make, didn't make sense. And I remember praying. I stopped and I prayed and I said, God, you anointed men to write this word anoint me now to understand it well why do you not think of that sinner wow he gives revelation knowledge he gives truth you begin to see it like opens up and you understand what he's saying so don't just go try to read the bible like you're trying to read you know some other story or whatever read it under the anointing ask the holy spirit to guide you guide you into all truth under the anointing jesus said i have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and, over, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We need to know that. We need to make sure we do that and that we go forth in God for his service. It's an anointing for service. And then the third channel that God flows anointing through is through worship. So his first channel is through the word of God, then prayer, praying in the spirit, and the third is through worship. See, God inhabits the praise of his people. When any two agree is touching any one thing, he's there in the midst. You come together to worship him, he's going to show up. And when he shows up, he brings with him, just like the president, bring, okay, here's America right here. If they land in, you know, India, um, 
That part, wherever he goes, that's America. I mean, he's, he, he governs. He, that's his authority. That moves with him. So when God shows up, he brings his throne. The courts of heaven are established right here in the midst of us. Hallelujah. And we can go before the courts of heaven and exercise the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Amen. So through worship, then, he, he comes and he brings all of who he is, his glory, his abundance, his authority, his power, his wealth, his character shows up. Hallelujah. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals Amen. And so in worship, and he shows up as we begin to adore him before his throne. And we come boldly before the throne of grace. We obtain mercy. We find grace to help us in our time of need. Here he is. And so his character's here. So he is healing. Anybody sick? Then you can get set. You can get healed. He is uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You need provision? Here he is. He shows up with provision. He is Jehovah Rohi. He's my shepherd. He comes to lead. God, you need some direction? You need some wisdom on some choices? Then just follow the shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's leading me. I don't have to worry about what's ahead. I just got to watch the shepherd and follow the shepherd. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, people, we need to come anointed when we come, anointed as we're here, and get more anointed Throughout the day, praise God. Where's the Gatorade? <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. Well, glory. So it said in John chapter 4, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, He says, You know, the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth, through the the Holy Spirit that directs us and under His anointing and we worship Him. We, we see then who He is. We don't just, not with just eyes in the natural realm, but we begin to see His glory revealed and who He is. He's high lifted up. His train fills the, the temple is what Isaiah said. And he says, uh, uh, and he says, for the Father is seeking such worshipers. Now, some people might be looking for something and, and uh, they have a hard time finding it. But if God's seeking something, I have enough confidence that he's not senile. You know, he can find what he's searching for. Don't you believe that? I mean, we talk about GPS systems and this and that, whatever. God has heat-sinking radar. He's got everything he needs to find you. If he's going to find you, he can find you. And how does it, how does it attract to How is God attracted to you? Through your worship. He's seeking true worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. He's the, he is spirit, and they that worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. Can't do it in your natural mind. You can't watch somebody say, oh, well, okay, they do this. They do this. You know, they do this. <laughs> you can fall, you can roll, you can shout, but if it's in the natural realm, ain't going to do nothing. Some people think, you know, they're going to do that because they saw so-and-so do it. You don't need to be worried what somebody else is doing. You just worship the Father. You worship Him, no matter what you're doing, right? One person might just be just in awe before Him and, and not doing anything, and they are just totally engulfed in His presence worshiping. Somebody else might be running around the room saying, oh my goodness, you know? Because they just, you know, it, uh, it's different, so don't worry about anybody else. Just worship Him and allow the anointing to come and flow to you. Praise God. So, that's the anointing. That's how we are anointed. And now then, when the anointing go forth, certain things happen. It's time for things to start happening. You know, there's some people that say, uh, that make things happen. There's some people that watch things happen. And there's other people that, what's happening? <laughs> you know, I don't know what group you are part of, but you know, you need to be the, kind, the people that are making it happen. We've got some athletes that will take the field this evening to compete for the Super Bowl. And a champion doesn't want to be sitting on the sideline. You know, that's no fun. They didn't get to where they are by just wanting just, just to be kind of hanging out and sitting down on the sideline. Like, if the coach looks your way, you kind of turn around. No, they, they want to be in the game. They want to be where it's happening. They want to make things happen. That's what we ought to be. We're champions. We want to be making things happen. You know, okay, well, I might have to watch some things happen. But I'm going to be right there when he says to go in. I'm going to be in tune with it, ready to go and help make things happen. But I sure don't want to be standing out going, 
What's happening? What's going on? Where are we? That's boring. I can go into the sporting goods store. I can go to Bass Pro Shop. I could be in there for hours, just looking. Never get bored. I can go with Sandy to pick out clothes, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. Oh, three minutes. Oh my. Oh. Where's you out? How many know what I'm talking? Just where's you out? It's like, oh. Like, can I sit down? Oh, just wore out. But you know, hey, hours over someplace. That's what I'm interested in when I'm engaged. Amen. You know why people think church is boring? Because they're not engaged in it. You know? Well, when you come to get, you know, say, I'm going to come and be a part of it. When you come to be a part and help make it happen, then you don't get bored. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't shout me down now. Verse 8 of 1 Chronicles there, chapter 14. It says, and when the Philistines heard that David was, anoint, was anointed king over all Israel, they went, went up in full force to search for him. Now, when the anointed go forth, first of all, the devil, he's listening. He's paying attention. He's listening to what's happening. And so when he, he got wind of this, uh-oh, assemble the troops, man. We're going out there with full force. The enemy rises up. And, you know, he's not afraid of mediocrity. He don't care if, you know, if you go and say, well, you know, uh, I hope you get well. You know, I hope you get to doing better. But, boy, when you go over there and you pull out the, the, the you pull out the anointing oil and you, just, and you say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, now the devil's going to get upset. He's going to get nervous. He don't care, you know, if you're just going to kind of going about your business doing this or that. But when you really get excited about God, and you go forth, when the anointing go forth to exercise authority and to speak the name of Jesus, that's when the devil gets nervous. When the anointing go forth to their jobs and, and to their different places where they go and then they're, they're making a difference and they're representing the kingdom of God and they're letting their light shine, that's when the devil gets nervous. You know, when the anointing go forth and people look and they're looking to see where you are that you might pray with them, then the devil gets nervous. When the anointing go forth to pray... You know, wherever you are, if it's in the Walmart aisle, or if it's at the gas pump, or wherever it is, when you go for, when the anointing go forth to, to take care of business, the devil assembles and he's going to search you out and try to find out what's happening. I hadn't had pain in my right hip for years. I have two hip replacements. Yeah, I'm the, uh, not the million dollar, six million dollar man, but I'm like the $60,000 man or something like that. <laughs> but... Um, Man, I, I was just praying. I got up and just, I'm the, you know, I'm the anointed of God. You know, whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm speaking it into my, I'm setting myself apart for this. And boy, all of a sudden, ooh, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? And I mean, I'd been praying for James's hip. And he says, you know, he'd had pain in his back and his hip for 45 years. I said, that's long enough. That's going to have to change. Did it change, James? Amen. 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 He told me today, he says, I don't have any pain. He come in jumping. I'm going, oh, that's good. <laughs> I told Sandy, I said, I'm so mad at the devil. I said, it doesn't surprise me one bit. And it was distracting. You ever, it's kind of like it was trying to cramp up on me. I don't have any problem now. The anointing breaks the yoke, amen. <laughs> but, you know, and it's trying to cramp up on me. And have you ever had a cramp? And it's kind of hard to concentrate on something else when that part of your body's going, ah! <laughs> it's kind of hard to go over here and have a conversation, you know, when that part of your body's just, ah! And so, boy, I was praying, Sandy prayed with me, and well, guess what? The anointing breaks the yoke. Hallelujah. When the anointing go forth, things happen, and the devil gets upset. You know, again, they don't care. The devil don't care, you know, if you send a card and say, well, we just, you know, hope that you get better. But if you anoint a prayer cloth, and you take it up there, and you lay it on him, and you pray over him, boy, he's getting nervous now. Getting nervous now. Why? Because we're acting like kings and priests. We're exercising authority. We're, uh, we are taking advantage of the access that we have. Hallelujah. Well, the Philistines, it says, sent everything that they had. That's what it says. All their weapons of war. They, they said, everybody out here, we're going after David. We're going to shut this thing down right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Again, they watched him, you know, with Goliath. That was bad. I mean, you know, they had some, suffered some, some defeat there and some skirmishes over the years. But now, wait a minute. This is different. 
You know, when David stepped up and, and to fulfill prophecy, and when he stepped into that, what had been uh, declared by God, and he stepped in to begin to exercise the full authority that God had given to him, then the devil gets nervous. When you step up and you begin to do what God's called you to do, what he has, before you were formed in your mother's womb, he says he chose you. When you begin to walk into your destiny and your purpose, the devil gets mad. And here's the thing, when the, the anointing go forth, don't be surprised that the devil comes against you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed with the glory or the anointing that is revealed. Don't be surprised when it happens. I remember we were going someplace, uh, going to be gone over a Sunday. I don't know if it was when we were going to Africa or something. First time I asked Danny to preach on a Sunday morning. Remember that, Danny? What happened? House burnt up. <laughs> Car backfired, started a fire in the garage, went through the house. You know, we, come on, what's going on? A house on fire. I said, hmm, doesn't surprise me. You're stepping up. You're going into that next level. You're getting ready to preach. The devil's getting nervous now, Danny. Boy, it must be something good God's going to bring through you because the devil's trying to burn your house down. <laughs> Don't be surprised. Amen. You're kind of like, uh, okay, uh, huh. I kind of want it, but I don't know. <laughs> Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. Praise God. You know, if you go out to, you go out, if you are a champion and you compete, you want, you know, and you know that you're going to win. You don't want some, you know, okay, well, let's everybody run out here. and They're not going to do anything anyway. It's kind of boring. I don't know why, they, why the other team showed up anyway. We're going to, you know, that's kind of boring. But, you know, when you have a pretty good game and you have a pretty respectful opponent and then you win, you're like, that's right. Praise God. Won that one. Amen. And you know, you know, who's the, the champion. You know, when the devil brings everything he's got against you and God raises up and you come victorious, then you say, yes, praise God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Oh, I wish somebody in here would be getting some of this. Verse 9, now the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephraim. With the P-H is an F and however it is. Anyway, they raided this valley, which is the Valley of Giants. They came into the Valley of Giants. You know, here it comes. Uh, you know, show up. And I mean, this is big time stuff now. And you know, you're going forth. The anointing is going forth. The devil shows up. And this is not just on the little league level, not high school level, not college level, not just through the regular season. This is Super Bowl now. This is Super Bowl now. They got everything they got. And they're out there at the Valley of Giants. And they say, okay, man, we're going to bring you down. Hmm. The Valley of Giants. But the other thing is, that valley was between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And what the enemy was doing was he was getting in between and cutting off all communication between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Couldn't get through. That's what they thought anyway. First thing that the devil tried to do is cut you off. When the anointing goes forth, Satan comes out with everything he's got. He's going to try to cut you off. Try to keep you from praying. Because see, first thing, we got all excited and we're excited to do something from God, for God and we go out and the first thing is wham, we get overwhelmed and Satan comes at us with everything he's got and we're like, well God, why is that happening? I just agreed to do what you want me to do and all this stuff happens, well man, if that's the way you're going to treat me and we go ahead and we leave and it's over. But when, you know, when we hang in there and say, oh wait a minute, I'm not surprised by this. The devil's not going to be able to cut off my communication here. He thinks he's got me in a place, but hey, I want to tell you something. My communication doesn't come through this way. It comes over and above, amen? You know, there's a story about Daniel, and Daniel, as the anointed, stepped in, and he began to pray, and it says there in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it says, then he continued, uh, and he was Daniel was praying, and nothing happened. He prayed, and nothing happened. He was fasting and praying. Nothing was happening. 21 days. Daniel's praying. Nothing's happening. God, where are you? Hey, in the Valley of Giants, with the principalities and powers and the rulers in high places are up there battling it out, trying to separate God's communication to you, but you just got to hang in there and don't quit, don't give up. And here's what the angel told Daniel when he comes to him there in chapter 10 of Daniel, verse 12. Uh, he says, do not be afraid, Daniel. 
Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come to respond to them. But the prince of Persia, of the Persian kingdom, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, here's another one of the giants on God's side. Michael, one of the chief princes, came to, to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Here it is in the, battle, the, the valley of giants and try to separate communication from God and from you. And he says, and, uh, he said, I was detained there by the, the king of Persia. He says, now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. I've come with revelation knowledge to give to you. The devil tried to hold it back to try to keep it from coming, try to get you to quit before the, the, the message could get to you, but it hadn't, you didn't quit. So here's revelation knowledge. Wow. So when the anointed go forth, don't be surprised that the devil, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, coming out to seek against you, that he comes against you. And the second thing is don't quit. Don't quit. Great and mighty things happen when the anointing go forth. When the anointing go forth, people are healed. When the anointing go forth, addictions are broken. When the anointing goes forth, families are restored and, and people are saved and, and lives are changed and mountains are moved. And praise God, when the anointing go forth, something happens. I wish I had somebody in here today that would get something out of this. Amen. Hallelujah. When the anointing goes forth, something happens. It's not... The day isn't like, like it was yesterday. This is different. I'm on a new level with God. Hey, man, we're moving on. But you see, they couldn't separate David from his communication because God still speaks. The first thing that David did, he sought the Lord and said, okay, Lord, shall we go out before him? Yeah, go out before him. I've, I've given it into your hands. So David does, you know. Here's the thing in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Paul writes there, he says, uh, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in us. Nothing can separate us from our communication, our link that we have with God. Oh, it's been three weeks. Well, praise God, tomorrow's another day. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep going forth, anointed. Keep going forth, amen? amen? Verse 11 there in Chronicles, it says, So David and his men went up to Baal Perazim. Notice that. Say that with me. Baal Perazim. And it says, and there, where? And there, he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, God has broken out against my enemy by my hand. So that place was called Baal Perazim. And what that means is the place of breakthrough. And so here's the thing is when you get to a point, David thought he was at his breaking point, but he wasn't at his breaking point. He was at his breakthrough point. Amen. And if you don't know the difference, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And you know what? It's like right at our breaking point, there's a breakthrough point. Amen? Amen. Oh, man. Are uh, y'all getting anything out of this this morning? You know, the devil can't cut you off. You might think, well, God's not hearing me. You know, and all, everything, everywhere you look, it just looks like it's getting worse and worse and worse. But you know what? Again, it's not your breaking point. It is your breakthrough point. Just keep getting more excited. You know, if all the enemy is coming against you this morning, you feel like that, man, every time, everywhere you turn, the enemy is just, he's here, 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 here. Finances, health, relationships, all stuff around you. Everywhere you look, it seems like that you're just being pushed and, and being attacked and, and pushed down. I want to tell you something. Get ready because you're at your breakthrough point. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. He comes to you right after that. You ought to say, oh, boy, then it's getting ready to happen because he showed up. And he always shows up at the breakthrough point. Oh, man. <laughs> How many people have quit right before they step in? People just give up before they go on forward. You know, if, all, you know, if, if that's what's happening to you everywhere you look, then you just need to say, praise God. You need to begin to just rejoice in the Lord because God's getting ready to do something. 
You're not at your breaking point. You're at your breakthrough point. Say, I'm not at my breaking point. I'm at my breakthrough point. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the devil thought he'd, he'd won when Jesus was on the cross and when Jesus died, and, and yeah, all the hell was rejoicing, and they thought they had really, had, uh, you know, they had success, and I want to tell you, they thought they had, had, had uh, brought Jesus to his breaking point, but what they didn't know was, it was just his breakthrough point, amen, because that was Friday, as the old uh, black preacher said, but Sunday was coming, amen, <laughs> on Friday, Jesus was hanging on the cross, is what he said, he was dying, and Satan was laughing, but that was Friday, Sunday was coming, see, there's a breakthrough point, Right where you think it's your breaking point. Oh, come on now. Boy, you need to get anointed. You need to set yourself apart to God. You need to come into his presence and say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm setting myself apart. My mind, my will, my emotions right now, they're consecrated to you. I throw down, I cast down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against my knowledge of who you are. You're my king. You're Lord. You're almighty. You're my healer. You're my provider. You're my shepherd. You're my ever-present help in my time of need. My soul wait only upon God, for my expectation comes from thee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, look at your neighbor and say, you know, I'm, at, I'm about to break through. <laughs> I'm about to break through. <laughs> you see, Jesus, when he's laying in the, in the tomb, the devil thought he had him, but Jesus was just saying, no, nah, no, nah, I'm about to break through. I'm about to break through. That little lady that had an issue of blood, she thought she was at her breaking point. She spent all that she had. She'd gone to every doctor that there was. She thought she was at her breaking point. No, but really what she said, what was happening, she was about to break through. She was about, I, think, I think there's some people in here today that's about to break through. Hallelujah. Say, I'm at my breakthrough point. I'm at my breakthrough point. Hallelujah. Verse, verse 12 says, The Philistines had abandoned their gods there. David defeated them. And David gave orders to burn them in fire. When the anointed go forth <laughs> and they exercise divine power, it is to demolish strongholds, tear down strongholds and, and everything that the devil has. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds, to the burning of those weapons and those gods that, that Satan has. Oh, he ain't got nothing on God. Amen. So what do you do when the anointing goes forth? First of all, remember, don't be surprised when the devil comes at you with everything he's got. And verse 13, it ain't over till it's over. Amen. Verse 13, it says, once more. Now, you'd think that the devil would learn. You would think that the devil would learn, but once more, he starts, he gets up to come against him. Let me tell you something. Jesus told a story about, you know, a man that, uh, that he, he's, I'll just paraphrase it, and he's fighting, and he finally, he comes back, he finds out that his house had been broken into. He goes in, he binds up the strong man, you know, and he drives him out, and they go, you know, those, let's say demons, they go running off, and, and the guy says, oh, king of the mountain, yeah, I want to, that's cool, you know, everything's cool, and he just turns around, doesn't think anything about it, just because he chased them off, he scared them off. Jesus said, wait a minute, no, you better make sure you bind up that strong man, and because what he's doing is when he looks back, the devil comes over, oh, well, that's all he's got? Well, come on, let's get some more and go back, because Jesus said he'll come back seven times stronger than before. So about that time, it says in verse 13, once more the Philistines raided the valley. Here we go. Here it is again in the valley of giants, principalities, powers, rulers in high places, angels over here, demons over here, um, God's word coming to us. We're, we're trying to get it here. We want to break through. And so here it comes. It says, once more the Philistines raided the valley. Verse 14, so David inquired of God again. When the devil comes again, you just inquire of God again. You just go back to the throne. Well, Lord, that stupid devil, he's hadn't, he hadn't learned. So, you know, we're back here again. So it says, David inquired of God again, and God answered him. And God says, well, do not go straight up, but circle around them and attack them in front of the, the balsam trees or the, the uh, what is it in the King James? The mulberry trees, that's right, yeah. And the mulberry trees. He says, go around there in front of the mulberry trees, the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees... 
Boys, you sound like that. He says, move out to battle because that will mean that God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. He says, oh, you know what? You don't have to fight in this. You just go out there. And when you hear that rustling, as they say, in the mulberry bush, when you hear that shaking, when you hear it, because those trees got to shake because the power of God was going, the anointing of God was going out. He says, then you go out because you're going to know that the Lord has gone out before you. People, I want to tell you something. It ain't over till it's over. And all we got to do is go out there and we just wait for God to move out before us and we do what he says to do. We're at our breakthrough point. We're not at a breaking point. And then don't quit. Just don't quit because it ain't over till it's over. Verse 16. So David did as God commanded him. That's all we got to do. That's how simple it is. Hear and obey. Hear and obey. Go out as the anointed of God. So David did as God commanded him. And they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to, to Gezer. And so David's fame spread throughout every land. And the Lord made all the nations fear him. Man, the devil's going to think twice before he starts to come at you again. Amen? You see, way back in verse 1, it says, when the Philistines, they heard that David had been anointed. You know, if you're not no threat to the devil, and if you're not doing anything, then, you know, you ain't nothing to him. You're no threat. But if he knows your name, and he's watching you, and, and making sure that you don't walk out in the anointing, then you're doing something for the kingdom of God. Amen? Then you're doing, you know, it's like the devil better know, ought to know your name. He ought to know your name. You know, he ought to know, uh-oh, wait a minute. We ain't messing with him again. And it says that the, the fear, the Lord made all the nations fear David. Hallelujah. It's at the breakthrough point. <laughs> that God is going to do something supernatural. And he's going to do something supernatural for you today. I believe that. I believe it. I believe it. I want to pray this morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you right now that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's people, there's somebody here today, Lord, that, that they're just being attacked on every side. Finances, health, relationships, emotions, everything. But Lord Jesus, I believe that you want to change somebody's life this morning. Holy Spirit, I believe you're looking for someone in this place today to anoint. Hallelujah. If you're here and you're tired of the enemy keeping you know, the upper hand against you, you just need to say, Father, I receive your anointing. I'm going forth today. I'm not retreating. I'm not going back. I'm going forth today. Somebody has been at their breakthrough point many times, and then the enemy has come and spoiled that and, and knocked you back. And you interpreted that as a breaking point, not a breakthrough point. Let me tell you something. This is your day. <laughs> this is your day. This is your day. Today's your day. Say, today's my day. Today's my day. I'm not breaking. I'm breaking through. Say, I'm breaking through today. I want you to get to target the enemy today, what it is. If it's, if it's a health issue, if it's a relationship issue, if it's finances, if it's emotions, if it's a habit, whatever it is, I want you to draw that in and get focused on that thing right now because you're about to break through that. You're about to break through that. This is your day to prevail. This is your day to not to break and, and fall back, but it's, it's your day to break through and go forward. Jesus is here to save, to deliver, to set free. He's here to heal, to anoint you today. He's going to anoint you for victory, to live in victory, not to live in defeat. So our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. If you're here today and maybe you're, you don't know for sure that you're a child of God, you've never stepped into that first anointing. You've never really been set apart as a child of God knowing that your eternity is secure for you. If that's you today and you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, you need to break through today. Just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to be a child of God. I want to be saved today. I want to come out of darkness into light. Amen. Amen. Just hold your hand up. I'm going to pray with you today. Just, I want you to say, I'm breaking through. I'm not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. I'm in the kingdom of light. Anybody else in here, just raise your hand right where you are. Right where you are. Maybe you're here today and and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and you feel like that you struggle and you just can't, you press and you just can't break through. People, you gotta, we need to learn, we need to take that next step and learn how to pray in the Spirit because we're receiving the anointing through that so that we can break through. You feel like that you get to a point and then you're just knocked back and you can't ever go to that next level, so to speak, with God. It's time to say, you know what, Holy Spirit, just fill me today. Paul said in Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Spirit. That wasn't a suggestion, that was a command. Be filled with the Spirit. The word filled means piloted, governed, completely controlled by the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. So today, be filled with the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit right where you are. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. Just allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you because He knows the will of God. God's searching this place today and He he knows the mind of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Just pray today. If you're here today, maybe you need healing. And you feel like that you've just been knocked down and you can't take that next step. I want to tell you, man, there is breakthrough. There is victory on the other side. There's breakthrough today. If you need healing in your body, just raise your hand. If that's you, just raise your hand. Amen. I, I want you to stand and just off to my left over here on this side, just maybe kind of line up over here. And I, and I, I was going to, uh, and just kind of in a single file back up the aisle, just get through there. And, uh...